Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Baba, You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. everybody welcome to go home bible you're drunk the podcast that is the bible study that your mom never wanted you to go to i'm tori i am a former evangelical former like weird conservative guns or people i was never like that honestly but i was way too far i was way too close to uh you know the good old-fashioned white christian nationalism for comfort and i slowly realized that i didn't actually have to keep hating people just because I was told to hate them every week from, uh, well, well, sitting in the pews. I also have a co-host. Uh, yes, my name is Justin. I was also a former weird evangelical guns are people, um, Christian, I guess I was a guns are people Christian. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so that's, that that was me. And, and I preached the good news of the gospel of the gun for a while. Mm. Uh, and, and now I don't. Uh, because, well, first I started actually being into Jesus and then I was like, Hey, maybe I'll just not be into that either. And then I started a podcast so I could kind of be into it again, but in a fun way. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing being demanded of you in terms of like, Oh, I don't know. Accountability, whatever. If you want, if you want to watch something about, uh, worshiping guns, you should go watch the movie Zardoz. Okay. That is, that is, yes, that is, uh the premise-ish of the film. <laughs> yeah. The, what is it? What's the tagline? It was like the gun, the gun is good. The penis is evil. I think was the tagline. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's just this very chaotic film. If you were someone who enjoys legal substances, you'll have a good time. Excellent. Some substances are about to become less illegal here in the great state of Ohio. Delightful. I- I feel like I just need to share the good news here of what's happening in Ohio because everyone, yeah. everyone, all y'all listening that aren't in Ohio are like, boo, Ohio, what a gross state. Like, no, like you want some grassroots activism. This is where it's at. Our legislature's gerrymandered all to fuck. Like it, like it has been declared, our, our district lines have been declared unconstitutional and illegal, yet they still remain the same. Mm-hmm. So we have had citizen-initiated ballots to get abortion rights enshrined into our constitution and it only has to pass by a simple majority this november we also just got marijuana legalization from a citizen-led ballot measure on nice. the ballot this november too so or, so or this november i think seventh so okay yeah so 
in Ohio will be voting for marijuana legalization and abortion rights. And it's looking favorable for both. So because almost everyone, regardless of political affiliation, supports those being legal in at least some circumstances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it is it's kind of that's a whole that's a whole thing. But, yeah, I think that people. I think that Ohio is actually a super hopeful place in a lot of ways, like, you know, American electoral politics. Uh, again, like the gerrymandering, not so much, but yeah, it's, it's cool to see. It's cool to see people pushing back and there's people pushing mm-hmm. back, obviously everywhere against uh, the, like <laughs> the weird tyranny of the mi- minority uh, that the GOP wants to put in place. But yep. yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully good things, good things to come. Yeah. So I will, I will celebrate one way or another. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) even you got to celebrate even the little wins. Otherwise you just burn yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. And actually the, the GOP here in Ohio tried to make ballot measures harder to get into the constitution Mm -hmm. and that was soundly defeated by the people. So yeah. we had a vote last week or the week before last. And it was like, I think it was close to 60% mm-hmm. it lost by, which is any more is a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Even like rural Trump counties, like some of them broke, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, so it was like, this is, this is uh, a lot of, a lot of very passionate people are doing a lot of good work here. Yeah. So. And it's just like, there are, when it comes like people agree on a lot of issues, it's like the weird labels that get slapped on stuff that people are opposed to. Mm-hmm. Like people love the Affordable Care Act, but hate Obamacare. If you remember mm-hmm. that data, yeah, I remember <laughs> like, that. It's just like it's guys, it's the same thing. But you know, whatever. This is- actually, I think that's where it's a little bit hopeful in the sense that you know these will just be issues on the ballot. They're not like. You're not voting for a person, to a person in yeah. a party. This is just like, this is the issue on a ballot, you know? Yep. And, and I think that might be a good model for other states to adopt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're having an off year election this year? In yeah, it's, it's okay. going to be election November. And I mean, it, there'll be plenty of like state officials and stuff you vote for, but it's, right. you know, obviously it's going to be a big, big one because we have two pretty big changes to our state's laws. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, though, the uh, I'm not as educated on the marijuana one, but the one that's um, to protect a woman's right to choose is going to be put into the state constitution. It's an nice. amendment to the state constitution. It's okay, not, cool. It's not simply a, a law they're putting in place. It's, you know, this we, which it's funny because our legislators have signed some very draconian or tr- attempted to some very mm. draconian anti-abortion laws mm-hmm. and we're all like no fuck no like mm-hmm. so it's great i mean that was a tangent but i i just felt like that's good news to share that you know it it's is. not all grim and people are doing work even even if it has to be done subversively and uh-huh. to the side yeah so to speak yeah no it's true but this is also why young people are leaving the church justin i don't know if you know this Oh yeah, so some interesting Remember data the came mass out. Mass hysteria of like the last yeah. every year for the last forty years. Oh my God, young people are leaving the church. <laughs> oh man, and I was I was a youth pastor for a good chunk of my ministry experience, and so that was like the big thing. Like, how do we how do we do this? Like, I 
I I actually got really into this kind of not method but book slash but ended up I think the guy ended up being problematic or whatever but that was no Sticky Faith or Sticky Church. Interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Why it was called Sticky, I don't know. I didn't even like the term at the time. I mean, a lot of it was just like about how do you get how do you get someone to make the leap from graduating high school to involved in the church? Uh-huh. And it's fucking hard. Well, for a lot of reasons. One, youth group for most kids that attend regularly, it's fun. Yeah. And big church is not. It's not fun. Not at all. But that's actually the problem. So we had some data come up. I don't know if you know that there's a man on the internet. I would call him Bargain Basement Gimli would be my nickname for him. You know, Diet Gimli, maybe. Do we want to say his name? I don't know. Sure, why not? People, He's not that. Whatever. I, I don't. Whatever. That's yeah. his. his so Eric, it, Eric Kahn. So it tells you everything you need to know right in his name. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, he is. He is one of the contributors to the Hard Man podcast or Hard Men podcast. Unironically, mm-hmm. he is a hard man. Things anyway, that so, you need to announce so mm-hmm. that everybody knows. Yes. Yes. Yeah, if you announce that you're a hard man, you definitely are kind That's of like an alpha proof. Um, right. If you're an alpha you, and you declare you're an alpha, that means you're an alpha. Name it and claim it, baby. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> my like my favorite tweet was like. White dudes really just made like a category of men that are above the rest and then put themselves in it. And he was like, fine, I'm a turbo dude. It's better than an alpha. You wouldn't know because you're just an alpha. It's like my- <laughs> no, they keep they keep doing they keep doing this. Oh, God. Uh huh. Yeah, that's that's fun. It's really funny because like they had already put themselves in a category where they were above everybody else. <laughs> and yes, it was like-, like, and now we're above. Now we're above white dudes. Yeah, like white man is already, I mean, of, of categories of humans in throughout history. But no, not only that, I'm an alpha, which I just feel like saying like the whole alpha beta pack thing is not not real, not a real thing, not a real phenomenon that exists in the real world. It's was studied in wolves of different packs crammed together in captivity, which I mean, you could, I guess, suppose make a interpretation to modern yeah that there's that there's like in prison there's probably alphas and betas yeah so for people who don't have any agency over their lives like that's probably a thing if Mm -hmm. you are not living in a cage you don't get to just unilaterally declare yourself an alpha i think you have to do hard time Mm -hmm. in fact in order to be in that category Mm -hmm. There is actually, I mean, I, I joke about the whole alpha thing, but there is like amongst alphas, there is a, a thing that uh, the Sigma male. They I've kind seen of this call. too. Yeah, yep. I've seen this. Yeah, the, the lone wolf kind of whatever. Like, Again, not how wolves work. No. I don't know how many times we have to say this. Nope. I mean, just like lone humans, like lone humans in the wilderness, like bear food. That's what you are. Yeah. Not yeah. even bear food. You're a bear toy uh-huh. that they might eat. Yeah, if they get bored and or hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, he he's done some cutting edge research here, and I feel like I need to. Read oh, Eric this has. List. Eric has. Yes. Oh, of oh, course. Okay. Uh, first off, American Church loses up to seventy five percent of its kids. I mean, no citation needed. It's Eric, we <laughs> that's trust just you. science. <laughs> that's science. Loses seventy five percent of its kids, and you know, I mean, this is go home, Bobby. You're drunk. We have you know hard hitting reporting. And 
you know, I feel like we have our finger on the pulse of why people leave the church, but let's see what Eric says. Okay. <laughs> let's just see. So item number one is parasitic wokeness. I, I mean, I, I feel like you need to get that checked out, Eric. <laughs> if, you, if you have a parasitic wokeness. Um, Yikes. Yeah. See a doctor about your anemia because that's not about, good. About your parasitic wokeness today. Yeah. I'm like, just, okay. I have so many mm-hmm. thoughts about just that one. Oh, if that wasn't word salad enough, here's another uh-huh. one. Uh, revivalistic emotionalism. Yeah. This is just word salad. <laughs> yeah. This is just serving it up. Uh, feminist theology. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. Like the churches that are shrinking the fastest are not led by women. So, Mm. but anyway, oh, here we go. And here's his solution for that. Effeminate pastors. Um, I I don't, I mean, where Mark Driscoll is a thing and he had a pretty big church. Um, And he had like 5,000 copycats at least like bare minimum. Easily. I, most church planters I know had a hard on for Mark Driscoll. So where, where are the effeminate pastors? Like, is he talking about Joel Osteen? Yeah, maybe. maybe. I, I don't know. But Joel Osteen doesn't have a people leaving his church problem. <laughs> oh, damn. You know? That was harsh. <laughs> I wish more people would leave Joel Osteen's church. <laughs> Just goes to show you can be a beta and a pastor and it all works and a, and a bajillionaire and it all works out. And it all works out for sure. <laughs> Fatherless pews is another one, which I, I don't know. Like that feels... A little racist to me, mm-hmm. but anyway. Also, like to me, that says as like, I don't know, a single parent that's like, oh, we don't want you here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If your yeah, or- dad's like, if your if your kids don't have a dad like in the home, we don't want you here. If your mm-hmm. kids have a dad who's in the home, but you're not married, we don't want you here. So it's like, mm-hmm. this is stuff these are things that you're saying are driving people out of churches, <laughs> but mm-hmm. like, okay. Honest question. Have you ever talked to someone, right? Cause they won't do exit interviews because they don't care why people leave. Right. They care about having all of mm-hmm. the reasons for people leaving so that they can demonize the people who have left as being weak Christians or whatever. Has anybody ever come up to you and said, there are too many single moms in this church and like not enough strong fathers so I'm mm-hmm. taking my family elsewhere. Yeah. Has anyone ever said that to you? No. No, I've never or, once heard that. Or has a kid who like attended church with his mom when he graduated high school been like, eh, my dad wasn't into it, so I'm not. Right. <laughs> you know, like if you were there, like, I mean, my, my dad wasn't that into church and I became a fucking pastor. So right. like. Yeah, whatever, dude. Um, I mean, this actually, this next one is why I left. Secular pragmatism. Sounds like utopia to me. There are better things that I could be doing with two and a half hours of my time every week. You don't say. Wow. (laughs) Then listening to people preach to me about how, like, my life doesn't matter because it's too woke. Mm hmm. That's yeah. yeah. I guess that is sec- secular pragmatism. And also, it's interesting the whole parasitic wokeness thing. Let me go back to this for a second. Mm-hmm. There's there's been a like a. I think we ca- you and I. I don't know if we called it, but we pointed it out probably a year ago about people 
like kind of like the day is coming where people will start dropping Jesus because he's mm-hmm. too woke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it was original to us, but I remember I remember us talking about this. And yeah. like now I'm seeing more and more stories of more or less, it's more congregants. It's more like people that attend church confronting pastors Yeah. on like, hey, you're being way too woke. And the pastor being like, I'm preaching the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it says blessed are the poor in the book. <laughs> you know, it says to turn um, the other cheek in the book. Yeah, no, Russell Moore was just talking about this in like the Washington mm-hmm. Post or NPR or something that he's having pastors who are coming to him telling him that their congregants think that Jesus is too woke and that they shouldn't be preaching Jesus' actual words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is just wild to me. It's wild to me that like in the wash, I will end up more of a Christian than a lot of these people. Right. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like how you orient your life, it's like I follow Jesus. I follow Paul <laughs> sort of a situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. And still others follow Trump. <laughs> Yeah, that's same diff. Exactly. So yeah, secular secular pragmatism. I mean, that's the Star Trek future I desire. Mm-hmm. But anyway, lack of discipleship. Eh. I mean, I think there's a lot of dis- we've talked about this. I think there's a lot of discipleship going on right now. It's just that like Ben Shapiro and furry Ben Shapiro are the ones doing all of the discipleship. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, that, and that's a big thing. I mean, I... I People may not know, but my I have another podcast called Rev Covery, where we kind of talk about pastors leaving the ministry and helping pastors leave the ministry. And that was actually that's I mean, I think every interview we do, like something along the lines of and then 2016 happened. Mm-hmm. It's a very common theme. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was like people realizing like Fox News, Facebook, you know, Ben Shapiro, like they disciple my yeah. church yeah. more than I do. Mm-hmm. And that's the tail that wags the dog now. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I mean, yeah, Eric, I would agree it's a lack of discipleship, but I, a lack of Christian discipleship for sure. Like, why don't you get some prayer, maybe some silence in your church? Just so thought. just the politics? Yeah. Squishy sexual ethics. I feel like that could be the title of a sex tape. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> The, the name of my sex tape is squishy sexual. I feel like my sexual ethics are actually pretty fucking clear. I don't feel like there's a lot of squish there personally. Yeah. I my yeah, I actually I mean, the church does have a lot of squishy sexual ethics. Um and actually it's those of us that are that have left that have much more clearly defined and mm-hmm. well thought out sexual ethics. Yeah. I mean, the church is like, I mean, Maybe a step above Mad Men when it comes to sexual ethics. Mm-hmm. About that, certainly I would say. left in the 1960s for sure. Um, yeah, no, I mean, if you if you're using the Bible as like your sexual ethic, then you don't have one mm-hmm. because there isn't a cohesive sexual ethic in Scripture, unless you think that like sexual violence is somehow somehow comports with like a sexual ethic, which I personally reject. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe like a sexual morality, your sexual morality can 
include violence, I suppose, because morality isn't based on anything except like whoever, whatever deity you serve, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and Eric does scream like his, his attitude, his, you know, whole dem- his whole thing screams sexual ethics are, are not interesting to me. I don't know what consent is. I don't know what consent is. And I've never made a woman come. So like, uh-huh. it's just, he just has that, has that vibe and he doesn't care either. Right. Like, right. It's exactly. Not like, it's not like a, I, I'm looking for ways to make this happen. So yeah. Squishy sexual ethics. I no. Uh, there, I mean, yes, people leave because of that. Um, but it's like, I feel like the call is coming from inside the house. There, <laughs> People leave because they've been assaulted in churches. Right. And you should and no one that. does anything. And probably his whole squishy sexual ethics thing, if we were to dive in, is probably more like they allow gay people. That's probably what he's referring to. Not, oh, I see. Yeah. That's my guess. You know, this one, I'll agree with him. The next one is shallow music. Worship music, Christian music sucks. generally sucks. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. just, except I will say I listened to that Flamey Grant song. Mm-hmm recently i mean we talked about them last week or the week before last and yeah that brought me to tears oh that's awesome but so i was like but that's maybe the first time a semi-worship semi-christian song has done that in a very long time (laughs) yeah yeah fair i was at like wild goose last year and they were like i was like a beer and hems thing like i stepped in Mm-hmm. And I looked at the the person I was with. I looked at them. I was like, I think I'm too far gone <laughs> for this to to do anything for, for me. For this to work, yeah. No, I, I, I I'm here for the beer. I'll leave. Yeah. <laughs> and then pop entertainment worship, which I think is the same as shallow music. Um, I think so. But he decided to list it because I guess he needed to have. Also, this is that's really funny. I'm realizing that, yeah, both of those being in there. But now I'm thinking about, I mean, who is doing all of the worship music right now? It's like all Bethel and Hillsong and Sean Foyt and like mm-hmm. their little weird cadre of just, I don't know, squishy people. <laughs> Um, yeah. And uh I think it's really funny that I mean I'm sure he's just he's just like this is like copying Mark Driscoll just like 15 years after the fact or something but like mm-hmm. yeah we don't we don't sing any of those like pop worship songs we just sing hymns. It's like okay. Cool. Great. I'm sure no you one's know. leaving your church, right? You wouldn't be tweeting about this if you didn't have this problem. Yeah. You would frame it very differently. You'd be like and- no one's leaving my church. Yeah. Want to guess why? But you're not. So we don't have. Yeah, you know, but here's the thing like about hymns. Like hymns were set to the tune of like bar songs. Popular songs, yeah. Popular songs of the day. Like it's not Which is actually why they kind of still hold up. <laughs> the not yeah. the not the words necessarily, but like they yeah, have some like, staying power. I'm going to I will give that to them. And I I I'm sure I've said this before, but it's one of my favorite church history facts is that, you know, organs like the, the you know, the organ, the pipe organ was seen as like this like devilish thing. Mm-hmm. And like there it's were spooky sounding. Yeah, it is kind of spooky sounding. So like when like during the Protestant Reformation, like there was one that was being like shipped up to Scotland and there were a bunch of like protesters that were coming to like vandalize the organ as it was landing and they called it the devil's chest of whistles <laughs> like, just, just, i love that phrase uh-huh yeah that's amazing that's so great. like it's like 
but now it's like the organ is this like sacred thing. You know, it's like it, 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 things have changed over time. Like worship music changes over time. You know, I, I hope don't it, think that's true, Justin. I think that Eric Kahn is telling you that the way that he does church every Sunday is exactly the way that the early church did church every Sunday and that he yes. does it exactly the same way. And that's why it's working and he's not losing any of the youths. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that's what, yeah, that's Paul what I'm getting from this tweet. Paul definitely saying, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. <laughs> Cause I hate that song. I, I don't remember may, it. I imagine so I'm fine having with that. a thousand tongues every time I sing that song. It's like having a thousand eyes. It's just like being in heaven. So it's a horror story. It's, it's yeah. a horror movie. Don't want a thousand tongues. I actually would go see a horror movie that was set in heaven. <laughs> they thought they were in hell. Because <laughs> <laughs> being anywhere forever is hell. Mm-hmm. It Especially doesn't matter how great it is. When there are, and I'm not making a joke, flying spaghetti monsters. <laughs> And no one ever stops talking except for that one stretch of 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Silent in heaven for half an hour. Otherwise, it sounds like a bar fight inside of an orchestra warm up inside of a circus. I imagine after like a million years of just chatter. Nonstop noise. 30, 30 minutes of silence would be like... People would be or, people would be having orgasms. Yeah, just I was gonna say it would sense. be orgasmic. <laughs> like just like just a change. Like any just, kind of change. Yes. Oh my god. Like there's not even sunsets in heaven. Yeah. Like what what? <laughs> my my brother one time, this was like this was ages ago. Like we were like walking in the woods or something. I don't know, we were, uh, <laughs> around this hippie town near um Dayton. And he said something and it like stuck me for a long time. He's like, he's like, there better be dead trees in heaven. Like, cause we were passing by like these dead trees and it's mm-hmm. like mushrooms and stuff like that. And yeah. I was like, I was like, I, I, I don't know. I hope I, and then I was like, I hope so. <laughs> I like, was, <laughs> it's a weird, like, I don't know. It was a weird thing for him to say. It was a weird thing for me to like latch onto, like of all the things I'd remember. But I was like, Oh, um, maybe there aren't and that I feel like I'd be missing out. Yeah, I know. Cause, cause it's like the idea that wanting things to stay the same forever. I can see how like that might have felt appealing if there was a lot of upheaval, like political and social upheaval, like in your mm-hmm. particular, you know, and you're just doing like a shit ton of acid and, and like writing about it <laughs> on some random Island somewhere. Like I could see how, you know, it's like, oh, if things would just be the same for a while, like that would be really comforting. But I think like everything being completely like your entire life, every 24 hours being completely identical, you there would be a very short window of time before you would start legitimately thinking you were going insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like The Good Place touches on this. And if you haven't seen The Good Place, just skip ahead like 30 seconds. Spoiler alert. We came out 10 years, 12 years ago. Yeah. Anyway, people get weird about that. Like, I have no intention of watching this show, but you spoiled it for me. Spoil it for me. Gosh. Anyway, they they meet this like Greek philosopher that has been dead for like a thousand years or something. And 
she's like, we're miserable. <laughs> this is awful. We just want it to end. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know who came up with this, but they were not thinking clearly. Because this is just, this is, heaven sounds like a really bad time. It sounds like a really bad day at the asylum that just never ends. Mm -hmm. You can't get out. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it, it does appeal, but yeah, after a while I'd be like, can I, can I do anything else other than exist? No. Although I will say my version of heaven was always just being in the forest and there was no noise and no one else around me. <laughs> That's what I would imagine. <laughs> Being my like my version of like, oh, what would what would like my perfect heaven be like? That's what it was. Mm-hmm. No noise, no people, just trees. <laughs> but I don't think they make that one. Sadly, no. All right. Um, well, there you go. Uh, the hard hitting research done de- for you by Eric Kahn as to what why people are leaving the church. And, and, and why we don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And if you've left the church and you found a home here, thank you. Uh, let us know which one you, uh, left the church for. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick capitalism break and then we'll be back to talk about Peter's dream of ham. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, taking a little capitalism break with us. I really appreciate it. If you want fewer capitalism breaks, if you could, please go to patreon.com slash gohomebible. You can get... Uh, ad-free episodes. You can join our Discord where we kind of hang out, chat about the show, chat about life, uh, mostly about baking. Honestly, I think that's our most active feed is just like, what are we eating? And and that's, it brings me joy. So also memes that you maybe don't want to share publicly. I mean, we try to keep it safe for work, but you know, sometimes you just don't want to post faith memes on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And so this would be a good place for that. Um, so yeah, go ahead and check us out. Uh, we have a new patron, uh, this week, Daniel. So Daniel is a deacon in our second church of the drunken Bible. So Daniel, thank you so much for your contribution and we welcome you and onto our leadership team. You are a paid intern now. Um, you pay us intern, uh, and (laughs) as the Lord intended, all the good um, ones are. All, you know, all the best interns are positions. So, but thank you again very much. I uh, really appreciate your support. Uh, it helps keep the lights on for the show and also helps us be able to brainstorm, have a little freedom about things to do in the future. So without further ado, I think <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to jump in to our drinking game and our conundrum of the day. This story that we're going to do is the story of Peter uh, dreaming about a sheet full of food, essentially. Very odd object that, in which to carry dis- food. 
that descends from the sky, uh, like a picnic. And, you know, here, I guess here's the thing. <laughs> a picnic um, of live animals. A picnic it's like of... an actual zoo in a sheet. Yes. I, I, I guess take a drink every time you begin to suspect that perhaps Peter was just hungry while taking a nap. And this is not the Lord at all. Mm, mm-hmm. Anytime you begin to have that suspicion, uh, take a drink so that you forget it and your faith can be restored. So, yeah, that's our drinking game for today. Tori, do we have a conundrum uh, for people to be thinking about and possibly to email slash tweet at us? Yes, we do. Uh, so our conundrum for the week question. You can't. It's a would you rather sort of situation. You can't bail. I think this is another one where you can't be on substances in order to help you cope. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It's, it's uh, really funny that our audience and us too are like, well, if I'm high, I can totally. <laughs> I can hang. Yeah. I can hang. I'll go to the creation um, museum. So yeah. Would you rather eat everything in Peter's sheet? All of the critters or spend a weekend with Paul who on this particular day was probably freaking out somewhere in the desert, getting mm-hmm. to know Jesus in air quotes and just generally being a really good time as, so, as Paul was so, wont to be. So spend a weekend with Hermit Paul. Who's screaming about Jesus, but to himself. Yes. <laughs> like talking to Jesus, perhaps you might be cast in the role of Jesus during this weekend. You never um, know. You might get crucified. <laughs> Watch your back. Possible. <laughs> or you could just be staring at a catatonic dude for a weekend. So that, or killing all the various creatures. Some of them are quite tasty. Some of them probably have tentacles. Some of them are probably terrifying. Mm-hmm. They're pretty sure there was a coconut crab up in that bitch. So oh God. <laughs> just, just so we're clear, you have no say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... You have to kill and eat all of it. Or you spend a weekend with Paul. <laughs> you know, this is actually is kind of hard. It is a little. Like, yeah. It's I mean, it's I, I have had friends that were that were butchers and there were I have a friend that worked mm. in a slaughterhouse and like okay. killing and processing animals, even when it's done in a as ethical a way as it can be done, it is hard work. It's a lot of work. It is not an easy task to do. And so doing that over and over again for all kinds of critters, some of which I might not know how to kill like a coconut <laughs> crap. I don't know how to approach that shit. You like, just, you get, you both get tossed into a ring. It's <laughs> like the Coliseum. It's like you, know? you are the crab, man. Where is its nervous system? Like it's not a mammal. <laughs> I don't know where its weak points are. Oh uh, yeah. Those things are terrifying. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. This is like, I feel, I feel called to like, try to convince Paul to just walk off into the night (laughs) if possible, because be like, Hey, Jesus is out this way. Just keep going. Just keep going until you find him. Keep going. I bet. Don't eat or drink. Um, No, because then you'll ruin it and you'll have to come back and start over. Yeah. And you'll never find Jesus. It just, you just keep going. I would be willing to spend a weekend trying to make Paul never exist. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think if the conundrum plays out as in you spend a weekend killing hundreds of animals. <laughs> or you, or spend, you spend a weekend, a weekend killing one dude. To, <laughs> trying to subversively kill one dude. 
uh, I, uh, it's, that's hard. It's really, it, it is kind it of is. a pickle. This is like now ethical. Like, it is. um, you know, honestly, like, I feel like our version of could you go back and would you if you could kill Hitler when you went back in time, Ours would you? Paul. Like, I think, it's like, would you kill Paul? <laughs> Actually, I'd kill Augustine, but, you know, if whatever, it's fine. Yeah. It's I fine. mean, which is basically killing Paul. Basically. But, you know, Paul's yes. legacy. Um, Martin Luther, also on my hit list. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, I feel like there's like a movie in here. Mm-hmm. Some kind of quantum leap nonsense. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to go weekend with Paul, either to convince him I'm Jesus and fuck nice. him right up. Nice. Um, or, yeah, to maybe just be like, I bet Jesus is in China. Mm-hmm. Can you go find him? India. Yeah. He's been there for a long time, actually. Yeah. He's just waiting for you to show up. I, I honestly, I feel like the um, the Indian people... And the faiths of India at this time could absorb Paul pretty well. I think so. Yeah. And and like it wouldn't be a death sentence, but it would just be kind of like you die in obscurity now as mm-hmm. just a quaint guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And there's like a lot of there's a lot of like weird sex stuff in in Hinduism and like it's sort of precursor religions like proto mm-hmm. Hinduism. But it's it's pretty like uh I don't know. It's like secular pragmatism sex. <laughs> yeah. Squishy it's usually for a ethics. cause. It's trying you're trying to accomplish something. So it's not yeah. just a you're having a good time for the sake of having a good time. Like you're trying to get So if Paul done. did that and came back and influenced the West, it probably wouldn't be such a bad thing. Yeah. I feel like that is probably true. Like go Hang out with your Zoroastrian friends or something. You just need some other influences. You cannot be by yourself in this fucking hut in the desert for seven years. Yeah. Anything but this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel this for sure. All right. Um, so, yeah, let us know your answer to the conundrum. Enjoy yourself. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. So we're going to we're going to jump into this story. This is in Acts chapter 10. Just to kind of give a general idea, so um, Saul has just recently become Paul, like has just converted. He just got bitch slapped off his horse. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Peter has raised some uh, a woman from the dead by the name of Dorcas. Nice, nice. And Strong you know, Saul, work. Is, Saul is in Damascus and, and Jerusalem, like he's kind of doing his thing, but he's also maybe off, you know. Oh my God, Justin. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I just realized Paul had a mm-hmm. fucking migraine on his mm-hmm. horse. Like that's what that was. Yeah. The light. Uh-huh. Oh, fuck. He literally just had a three day long migraine or however long it was until Ananias showed up. Is that who showed up? Yeah. I mean, that's I, what happened. Yeah. I mean, it feels <laughs> like scales fall from my eyes when I get out of my migraines. Uh-huh. Truly. Truly. I haven't had too many. I think I've maybe had less than five for sure migraines in my Mm -hmm. life. Like I haven't had too many. Um, I really feel for people that do have them frequently because the times I've had them, it's debilitating. Right. Right. And you need to be in the dark for like three days to make it go away. (laughs) Mm hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I remember the last one I had, I was like, I just want to lay here. I don't want to move. I'm going to try to not remember I'm alive. (laughs) Sort of where I go. If I could go into like some kind of dreamlike state, 
and just wake up not in pain, that'd be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Cause like nothing cuts it. Like nothing, right. like nothing works other right. than just riding it out. So yeah, Paul had a migraine. So Paul just got over his migraine, mm-hmm. his Jesus-fueled migraine. And so Peter's doing his thing. He's in Caesarea, which is not Jerusalem. You don't need to know where it's at. When you pull up map, it's just, it's, you know, it's got Caesar it's in the there. name. So, you know, it's it's a Roman town. A man named Cornelius, obviously not a Jew. That's like the Jewiest name ever, Cornelius. Really? Cornelius is? No, it's not. <laughs> Like, wait a second. No, I don't believe um, that is I don't believe that is a Jewish name. <laughs> yeah. He's a centurion in the Italian regiment. Yeah, so definitely a Jew. That's that's yeah. usually how that worked out. So if I understand my history correctly. Yes, definitely not a Jew. And so this is a problem because he has a, a vision, you know, that he says he sees an angel of God who comes to him and, and says, Cornelius. And Cornelius says, What is it, Lord? As you do, like when you're a pagan Roman and a being approaches you, you're like, oh, yes, this is definitely the Yahweh God. Yeah. Anyway, so the angel answered your prayers and gifts to the poor have come as a memorial often offering. Yeah, well, I mean, apparently he was God fearing. So I, I should say, sorry, he wasn't a pagan Roman. Yeah, but like everybody um, was kind of God fearing. Like at the time, it was just there were a lot of gods. <laughs> So Mm -hmm. whatever was giving you a problem this week, that was probably the God you were fearing the most. Yes. You know, because their their gods were, again, like the kind of people who would bitch slap you off your horse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like this, the the whole like, yeah, like the like abuse people received from the gods. That was just like, eh. Like, this is just the way gods are. Like, Uh like, that's like, that's a real dickish move. Yeah, you and I were were texting about this or something like about how how pagan and how um, polytheistic ancient Israel really was, and especially like ancient Israel, maybe not New Testament Israel, but like ancient Israel, very polytheistic. Like the reason there were so many Canaanites running around is because they were all Canaanites. Um, <laughs> like that's yeah, anyway, that's how that works. Anyway, so anyway, so he's he's doing his thing and he's, you know, whatever. And being he a says, little your Roman prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. There's no way. <laughs> I'm sorry, with those instructions, there's no way you're getting the right Simon. Um <laughs> Good point. Great point. Um, Angel spoke with him and gone. Cornelius said to you know, so he he sends him away. And it's interesting too that Peter's staying at. He, I feel like he's slumming it at Simon the Tanner's place. I don't. I don't you think, think so? Would, yeah, I don't know. Like, hmm. I don't feel okay. like he would. Have you ever? I mean, have you ever smelled the tanning of leather? Like, it when anyone, is like one of the worst smells. Yeah, he's I've by the sea because no one wants to be by him. Well, and also there's more of a breeze there, you know, so yeah, you can maybe get a little of bit of that draft coming through. Waft that away. <laughs> yeah, it smells it gross. It's a gross smell. Like leather smells great. Getting skin into leather, awful. Yeah, it seems it seems like a really hellish operation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he's there. And, you know, he's he's on the roof of praying 
and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared. So he's dreaming and they're cooking at the same time. Yeah. So he can smell this stuff while he's like dozing off. Oh, oh no, he didn't fall asleep, Tori. He fell into a trance. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. A sleep-like okay. dreamy trance. Not sleep, though. Not sleeping. No. Uh, so he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet. Something like being a large sheet. down to the sheet. earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. So possibly no coconut crabs. Coconut then a crabs, voice told him, yeah, more feet than four. I don't know. I have to look that up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Um, then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat, which I don't know. Like, I mean, I mean, I get that Peter was a, a man of, of fish. And so he did a, probably a lot of butchering. But it's also like, this is work. Like, I'm hungry. Like the like going from live animal to in my belly it's, it's a, a long pro- process. It's, it's a long process. You're, you're, yeah. I mean, which I would do if I was starving. But anyway, just this is going to be a long dream, you know? <laughs> it's a lot of work. Sure, surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean, which honestly to me is a very... Anyone who's into Christian theology, I feel like that's a very important... This is a very important phrase and a very mm-hmm. important um, passage. Anyway, mm-hmm. this happened three times because uh, Peter's an idiot, and <laughs> immediately <laughs> he, this he sheep... seems to have this problem. <laughs> yeah, seems to be a theme in, in yeah, Pete's life. He gets life. in the same interaction, like the same conversation loop. Like you're playing a video game or something, and it's just like the same, <laughs> like com- like the NPC just keeps like, oh, this same conversation over and over again. Like, yeah, we we did this. We did this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so, so he wondered what the meaning of this vision was, and he the men while he was while he's like, huh, this is fascinating. The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And um, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Peter, three men are looking for you. I thought it was two. I, well, I'm lost now. Anyway, go downstairs. And so he went down and, you know, then they, they, he's, you know, seren- serendipity has struck again. Um, you know, uh, uh, he goes and then Cornelius and his whole, Cornelius and his whole household is saved. So the instructions were go find the guy, Simon. At the guy named Simon's house, who's not the guy, Simon, you're looking for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, great. Got it. I'm tracking. So you're going to go to someone's house. His name's Simon. There were approximately 17 people in the ancient Near East, according to this metric. Yes. So, yeah, that's 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 the story. I, I don't, I mean, I don't even know how to get into this one. I mean, it's, I do think it's interesting that like, okay, we have in the scriptures a very clear and direct message from the lord Mm -hmm. that says do not call impure what god has called clean Mm -hmm. and and also a i'm I'm just going to do some theology for a second folks if that's okay also very clear like themes that like things that were impure can be made pure Mm -hmm. okay and this is a theme throughout the book of acts actually Mm -hmm. you know the ethiopian eunuch like early on in the bible eunuchs were not allowed into the temple at all period mm-hmm. they weren't allowed in then you get to isaiah and all of a sudden isaiah's tripping balls and being like dreaming about a time when eunuchs can be let in the temple you know 
And then suddenly there's this Ethiopian eunuch and he's like, why can't I get in? Like, is there anything to keep me from being baptized? And Philip's like, no, actually not. You can, you're welcome in. Mm -hmm. So anyway, all that to say, if you're queer and you want to be a Christian, you have every right to be. So, I mean, um, because like nothing, nothing fundamentally changed about any of these animals. mm -hmm. It was literally just God being like, I said it's cool. Mm -hmm. Now it's cool. Because I'm honestly, I feel like that's to me the most honest theological approach to be like, yep, the Old Testament's queerphobic. Like we can't get around it. Mm -hmm. We're not going to like, I don't, I don't like some progressive Christians that are like, oh, the Bible's totally queer affirming. Like, no, it's not. But there are a lot of passages in the Bible that speak to the fact that things that used to be considered impure can be considered pure now. Mm -hmm. So let's just go with that. Right. And anyway, so I, I just find that fascinating. And I remember like, so I used to, the denomination I used to work in was like this teetotaling denomination. Oh yeah. Um, where yeah. you weren't allowed to drink beer. And I, and some, some of these people were so like, I mean, like anti-alcohol. Because it would harm your witness. Yeah. It'd harm your witness or whatever. And I, I, I didn't do this, but I thought it would be fun to do like some kind of like subversive performance art where we like lower a sheet in the middle of like general conference or something <laughs> that's like full of kegs or something. And it's like we have this booming voice over the loudspeaker speaker that's like untap and drink or something, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh -huh. I bet people would be the same way. Like, nope, nope, I can't do it. Did God really say? Did God? Yeah. Did I really say that this was clean? No. And what's really, I think that the thing that's interesting, right, is that you and I were taught that even though this was sort of about food in like the technical sense, it was also very clearly meant to symbolize people. Yes. It wasn't just like, you can have bacon now. Mm -hmm. Like that was, that wasn't the trance, the trance was not to inform Peter of the existence of bacon yeah. and how God's cool with that. <laughs> like that literally was not the point. The point mm -hmm. of the trance was to get Peter into a like, I don't know, brain state where like when these people show up looking for him, he's willing to go with them. Yeah. These people show up that you have been taught your entire life mm -hmm. are unclean. Yeah. Yeah. Who do to do nasty things that disqualify them from being in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you go with those people, and now they're guess what? They're in now because I have said that they're in. Mm -hmm. You know, I being God. You know, and I'm like, that's that to me. Like that's that that's good news. I'll preach yeah. that all day yeah. long. Totally. Um, but it's it's again like we mentioned earlier. That's too woke. And so maybe, Pastor, if you could just not preach on that, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. I want some of that Old Testament God stuff. <laughs> I'm just going to switch to putting all of Paul's words in red mm -hmm. going forward. Just so you know, I'm like, sure what's that, really important here? Yeah, what's really important? What, what was Paul up to during this time? Mm -hmm. you know, he's, Being a bootlicker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I find that that interesting, and I'm also mm -hmm. just like, uh, like honestly, it was probably horrifying for Peter. Yeah, <laughs> like, probably. 
So a lot of horrifying dreams. So yeah, I don't know. I just find this this interesting little story. And I don't know that it's it's just like, yeah, you're dreaming about ham, basically. Like I just I really need me some ham. Uh I don't know. I don't dream about I don't dream about food very much, but I do, yeah, I really think that this is a pretty important piece of the narrative, like piece of the story, you know? Yeah, because it's like, I don't know, anybody who's trying to say like, no, this was just about, this was just about certain foods is like, that's intellectually dishonest, mm-hmm. right? It's, uh, you know, it's priming someone, right? Like, that's what we would call it now. I don't know if they had that, like that concept back then, but like, yeah, you get someone in like a certain brain space to get them to do a thing that you want them to do. You don't just like show up cold and start trying to convince people. Right. And so I don't know, it's from that perspective to me, it, it feels pretty cool. Um, but I also think that like, that was where my theology, like with queerness specifically really shifted and i i was always i was always wrestling like to be clear and i know this was not the case for everyone you know this was not the case even for like all of my siblings but for me i was always wrestling with okay how do i and this was like a daily thing for me like probably for a decade like best i can figure like basically from the time i figured out i wasn't straight till i left church essentially Mm-hmm. was like a daily how do i square this circle of i have to condemn queer people just sort of out of hand right because the bible says so and also like i know queer people and i it's like it's they're not weird or yucky or like trying to convince me of anything they don't have an mm-hmm. agenda beyond brunch. So, you know, have, being this this particular scene in Acts, through that lens of me, you know, I was always coming about it from the opposite direction. Like, not how do I square the circle of, like, how do I love queer people and hang on to my theology? I was like, how do I love queer people and, like, make room for that in my theology? Right? Mm-hmm. So my orientation to it was very different. Still, this is where I very much where I landed, right? That I'm like, okay, so if I get if I get to heaven and I have to like give an account to God of everything that I did, and I have to answer, were you did you exclude people that I included? I'm like, I don't I would rather be sinning for including people that God had excluded, mm-hmm. right? Than for excluding people that he had saved, right? And yeah. that's exactly what, to me, that's exactly what this is saying, right? Don't call, don't call things unclean that I have made clean, right? If mm-hmm. I, like God being like, I'm, I'm the decider here. <laughs> um, yeah. That, so that like very much shakes out for like, at least me, like my experience. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, and then it, it's interesting that there's so much like, evangelical theology that's like well that was then god made one exception gentiles which thank god because now we're in um, oh brother right god made one exception and it was me like give me a fucking break yeah but 
but still has to be straight and white, you know, like mm-hmm. God made an example, like God made an exception for Gentiles so the, the white people could get in. Right. Which is, and no one actually says that, but it's kind of like the, that's what it feels it's like. It's how they function, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, they don't say sure. it, but that's how they behave. And so it's like, no, I feel like this should be interpreted as something that continues to unfold and continues to like, there are new things that we find that are actually just fine. And if you, whether it's killing and eating a goat or, you know, finding another man attractive, <laughs> like <laughs> these are all things that when examined are fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know for me, it was, it was very much just like, okay, what do I, what do I want to get in trouble for? And I'm like, I know mm-hmm. that I can like, look somebody in the face and tell them like, yeah, I would rather, I'd rather get in trouble for being too inclusive. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I don't, that's like not a, that wasn't a hard choice for me. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, it was also one of those things that I figured out like on my way out the door, but it still counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I guess choose good trouble, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some things are, are worth taking a hit for. For sure. Well, I think we did it. Mm. I think we covered Good stuff. it. Alright. So, thanks everybody. Hope you enjoy a good week and avoid the coconut crabs at all costs. Because <laughs> they are trying to gain sentience and take over this. You need sphere. a spear. Mm-hmm. If you were anywhere near a coat, just have a spear in your hands mm-hmm. at all t- or a javelin also works. Mm-hmm. They're Don't let it get close fast. to you. <laughs> and they move, they move like those, I don't know, what are they called in the dark crystal? Like they move like those things, you know, like, I don't know. I can't remember. My childhood is like blocked out half that movie, but anyway, <laughs> they're weird. Just watch your back. Because there could be a coconut crab. That's what we're saying. Coming for you. Coming for you. All right. So watch out for coconut crabs. Uh, Enjoy whatever food you wish um, because it's fine. And enjoy whatever person you wish consensually because that's also fine. And uh, yeah, have a great day. Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.